0: Welcome to this abbreviated worship service provided by St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnais and Kankakee. I'm Pastor Mike Hannell, and I'll be leading today's service. You will hear three readings, a sermon, the Lord's Prayer, and receive a benediction. But before all of that, a few quick words of announcements. This weekend, June 13th and 14th, we at St. Paul's Lutheran Church have resumed our regular in-person worship schedule with social distancing practices in place. We meet at our downtown Kankakee location on Saturday at 5 p.m. and at our Bourbonnais site on Sunday at 8.30 and 11.05 We are continuing this radio service as not all people are yet ready to return to regular worship in person. If you want to find more of our services, you can visit our webpage, stpaulslutheran.net, and click Worship on the menu. And keep up with us on our Facebook page for more information of any changes that may become necessary. For our service today, we are broadcasting a sermon from the summer of 2018 entitled Know to Grow. In the following weeks, the sermon you hear on the radio will be the sermon that was preached the previous weekend in our in-person worship services. We pray that you are blessed by the Lord's words this day. Our first reading is from Psalm 34 verses 8-22 through 22. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear Him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. This is the word of our Lord. Our epistle reading is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the first chapter, verses 15 through 23. Paul writes, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And God placed all things under his feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of our Lord. Our gospel reading for this service is from Luke's gospel, the 24th chapter. Praise to you, O Lord. On the first day of the week, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. That Sam I am, that Sam I am, I do not like that Sam I am. So begins one of the greatest classics of American literature. Not just children's literature, I mean all of literature, right? In 50 words, just using 50 words, Dr. Seuss's Green Eggs and Ham. That's where that quote is from, just in case somehow you grew up on a different planet. (laughs) And that story is all about how a picky eater is is urged just to try, just to try green eggs and ham to see whether or not he likes them. Now, there's a reason the story is stuck around, because it resonates with parents, right? The struggle is real. You know what that is like. Getting your kids to try to eat good and healthy food, that's not an easy task. But as parents, we know We know that our kids need that healthy food in order to grow up to be big and healthy and strong. And so we continue day and day to try to make sure that happens. Well, likewise, today in the epistle reading, you hear Paul sharing a prayer, a prayer that he has for the Ephesian Christians. And really, to summarize that prayer, it is really a prayer that, the ephesian christians would grow up to be healthy and strong in their faith in jesus and their love toward one another see paul is saying that that he wants the ephesian christians to know jesus better and better now it's not as if they didn't know who jesus was Paul begins the prayer by saying that that he's heard, he's heard from others as they've talked about the Ephesian Christians' faith in Jesus and their love for one another. But it's not as though this was the perfect church. It was, after all, a church that consisted of sinful people like you and me. But at least as far as it goes... Paul's letter to the Ephesian Christians doesn't note any outrageous, sinful actions among them or some teaching that is contrary to God's word that was popular among them. Instead, the the, the letter as a whole is very positive-focused on how they can grow. I guess overall you could say that that Ephesian Christian church was... A healthy church in most respects. But for Paul, that wasn't enough. It was not enough for the church simply to be healthy for today. He wanted that church to grow. To grow in their faith. To grow in their love. And he knew that wasn't just going to happen on its own. And so he prays. He prays for the Ephesian Christians, and he prays that they would know Jesus better and better. That they would know who he is, and they would know what he has done, is doing, and will do among them. Because Paul is saying that that when they know this, then they will grow. When they know what the hope is that Jesus has called them to when they know the glorious riches that he has made them to be a part of, when they know the incomparable greatness of his power, when they know these things, then they will grow in their faith and in their love for one another. I guess all in all, as you think about Paul's prayer it's a good prayer, not just for Paul to pray for those Ephesian Christians, but, but for us to pray for ourselves, but also for one another. The first thing that Paul prays, that, that he hopes that the Christians would know as they get to know Jesus more and more, is that they would know what the hope is that God has called them to. Now, the big idea here is that Paul is, is telling these Christians that, that they need to trust not what they can see with their eyes, but rather trust what God says. And that's a difficult thing, isn't it? See, we live in a world where we are constantly bombarded by bad news. We live in a sinful world, and so that bad news is always with us. It's always around us. And it doesn't matter whether it's something you saw or heard in the media or something that you're experiencing in your own life. If you suffer rejection, if you are suffering illness, if you are feeling that anxiety, And worry from the the stresses and sins in this world, those things have a tendency to, to kind of become like a cloud that descends over you. It's all you see, it's all you know. For you, there is no hope. All you see is this bad stuff, this sin, the brokenness of our world. You don't see that light at the end of the tunnel. Or at least, if you see it, you think, well, great, this is just that oncoming train, more bad news upon bad news. But Paul is saying something different. Paul is saying that if you believe in Jesus, that if you understand what it is that Jesus did, that he lived, that he died, and that he rose again, you got to know that, that something explosive, something dramatic happened in that event. Something that changes our world and changes our lives completely. Paul's saying that if you believe that Jesus was dead, but then rose again on the third day, then you have to be open to hope. Because you believe in a God who is able to bring life out of death. You believe in a God who who is able to make what seems like a dead end, a no-win scenario, a place of hope, a place of, of change for each of us, a place of transformation. See, if you believe in a God like this, you You believe that Jesus is that one who took not just your sin, but the results of your sin upon himself. And in its place, he gives you life. And as he gives you life, he uses you to bring those words of life to more and more people, to the people that you come into contact with. See, Christian hope consists of knowing that God is making all things new. God's kingdom has broken in to our sinful world, to that world of darkness, to that world of no-win scenarios. And God has brought you into that kingdom. Brought you into that kingdom through your baptism. Through faith in him. He has made you to be a part of that kingdom. And you know what? That means something. That means that your present circumstances don't determine your future. Your Meaning is not found in your sin and brokenness. Your meaning is found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. See, it's in Jesus that we have hope. But you don't know that until you know Jesus better and better. After praying that those Christians would know the hope to which we have been called, he prays also that they would know what this glorious inheritance is that God has made us a part of. And it's at this point in time that I have to say, I don't really know what Paul's talking about. Now, it's not as though I don't have any idea what he's talking about. It's just I don't know 100% what it is he means, because as I look at it, he could mean one of two things. Either Paul could be praying that those Christians would understand all of the blessings that God gives them, that, that is their inheritance. Everything that they now have because they are in Christ. That they have forgiveness, that they have eternal life, that they have hope, that they have salvation. It could be that Paul means that. But it could also mean that Paul's not focusing so much on the blessings that the Christians have because they are in Christ. But rather that they would know because they are in Christ, they are a blessing. A blessing to the whole world that they are God's inheritance. That they are God's treasured possession. That they have been adopted into God's family, that God loved them so much that he gave his innocent son over so they would have life. And yet, whichever of those two scenarios Paul means, there's really one specific focus, that, that those blessings that we have are blessings not just for us, but blessings to be shared with the world. See, in the Old Testament, God called the people Israel, his inheritance, his heritage, his treasured possession. And so there, there is a little bit of an echo of that language. And as God called Israel that, It didn't mean that he loved Israel and he didn't love everybody else. It meant that he chose Israel to be the people through whom God showed his love and salvation to the whole world. And this was ultimately revealed in Jesus, his son. And if that's what God means, then we are those people. We are that treasured possession that God has chosen us to be the people through whom Jesus is made known to the whole world. That we are witnesses of his mercy, of his grace, of his love, and of his forgiveness. But you know, you don't realize that until you know Jesus better and better. Now the final thing that Paul prays that these Christians at Ephesus would know, that as they know Jesus better and better, they would know the hope to which God has called them, that they would know the great riches that they are a part of. And finally, Paul says also that they would know what the incomparable greatness of God's power was that they have access to. But you'll notice that as Paul talks about this incomparably great power, he immediately clarifies what this power is because he knows us. He knows who we are. As sinful people, he knows that when we hear that we have access to to this great, great power from God, that we would think of it in human terms, in sinful human terms, that, that God is giving us The ability and the resources to do whatever we want. That God is like that magic genie, that God is in the business of simply making our dreams come true. But that's not Christianity. So Paul clarifies what is then this greatness of power that we have access to? And Paul is saying that the the great power that we have access to is this great transformative power that was at work in Jesus when Jesus, who is the king above all kings, left heaven and, and put that great power aside so that he could take on our sin and our selfishness and... In its stead, he gives us life. That transformative power that we have access to, that God shares with us, is his forgiving power. His power to give those words of life to other people, to let them know that Jesus died for their sins, that in Jesus they have life. That, that in Jesus, the last word spoken about us and over us is not our death. God gets the last word. And the last word that he speaks over us is that word of life. That word of life that we have because of what Jesus has done for us. See, that great transformative power assures us that that God can change us. We sometimes look at our lives and say, we're stuck. We're in a dead end, that that things couldn't possibly change, that that we, hard-hearted and stubborn as we are, could never change. And yet, the power of God is that power That changes us. God is making all things new. And that means he's making you new. See, you are not the person that you think you are. You are not the person that you see in the mirror each day. You are who God says you are. You are who God has created you to be. So in Jesus, you are no longer that sinful, selfish person. Instead, you are a life-giving vessel that God uses to bring his work to more and more people. But you don't understand that until you get to know Jesus better and better. You know, as I thought about all of those things that Paul was praying for, that he was praying for these Ephesian Christians, that that they would know Jesus better and better, and that they would know the hope, the riches of the inheritance, and that power that they have in Jesus, I found that I started running out of words. That there wasn't enough time to say all that could be said in one sermon and and certainly not enough time in one Bible study. That the things that, that we need to know in order to grow, the things that we know about Jesus are just so numerous that we couldn't possibly know Jesus well enough in this life. But then I thought, well, how long would it take to know Jesus better and better? And then I thought, you know, I don't even think all of eternity is enough to know Jesus better and better. And maybe that's Paul's point. That knowing Jesus, knowing who he is, is a lifelong thing. And not just this life, but all of our lives in Christ. See, I don't know when... We might disagree about whether we like green eggs and ham or not. But I think the one thing we can all agree on is that after you have tasted and seen God's goodness in Jesus, you just keep coming back for more. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus, who is our Lord and risen Savior. Amen. Together, let us pray. O merciful Father in heaven, in your Son, Jesus Christ, you have reconciled the world to yourself, not counting our trespasses against us. You have broken down the dividing walls of hostility. Look with pity upon the dissension and unrest in our land. Do not let our own sin destroy us, but lead us to repentance, and in your almighty mercy, save us. Your Son endured the injustice and violence of sinful humanity in order to redeem it. Bring comfort and relief to all those who currently suffer injustice and violence. Put an end to the plans of those who seek to destroy and steal Bring your protection to the peaceful protesters, to those whose businesses have been damaged, and to those who serve in law enforcement. O Lord, guide us to love one another as you have loved us. Even while we strive to live at peace with one another, fix our eyes upon Jesus and his redemptive work for us, which gives us peace that this world can never give. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. O Lord, hear us now as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now receive the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thanks again for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. During this time when we still may not be together in worship, you can continue to hear us here on WKAN Radio. But remember, you can also hear our online worship services on our website. Just go to stpaulslutheran.net and click Worship on the menu. God's blessings to you all this day.